0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Like many things in life, if we want to get better at something, we have to change the way we're doing it now. The same is true for faith. Simple but life-changing things can change the way we see the Lord and the way we see our lives. That means instead of waiting for our hearts to change, we start doing the things that will promote heart change, such as worship and time in God's Word. Both of these were regular parts of Jesus' life, and they should be parts of ours as well. So if you're looking for ways to be encouraged, let's join Pastor Jim in Psalm 146 in part one of his message, Happy and Hopeful.
1: It's very common for a pastor to hear this on a Sunday. People meet you on the door on the way out, at the door on the way out, and they say this, this sermon was exactly what I needed today. Or they'll say, the sermon or God met me exactly where I am today. So how do you explain that? How do you explain when people say stuff like that? Well, some of you, I know what you're saying right now. Well, Pastor Jim, that's easy. Your sermons are so excellent. You're not saying that? Okay, you're not saying that. Uh, Doesn't matter anyway, LOL. I'm too old to believe that anyway. Practically speaking, the Lord knows that life, this side of heaven in a sinful world, can be very, very difficult. And so when... Uh, God meets us in his word. It gives us an an inner peace, an inner confidence. Uh, Supernaturally speaking, uh, God uses his word to dig deep into our hearts and souls and change us from the inside out. Uh, So what the, the Lord does is he repeats in his word simple Remember, we say a lot of this stuff is so simple a child can get it, yet so complex theologians can argue about it for years or research it for years. So simple that he, retreat, he repeats simple, life-changing actions that will change the way that we see our circumstances. Typically, we think of it this way. We wait for our hearts to change and then figure we'll start to do the right thing. But the Lord says there's certain things we would rather, we should do, and then we'll see that our emotions and our hearts come in tow, and then they begin to change. It's like a lot of times people say, well, I don't love my spouse anymore, and I would just say to them, well, act loving. They'll say, well, I don't feel loving. Act loving, and a lot of times your emotions go in in tow with it. In a lot of ways, that idea of coming to church God exposing you to his word explains when you come and you hear the word of God that you actually sometimes throughout the week will find yourself doing or obeying the word of God without realizing you're even doing it and then you begin to find peace Two very common actions we want to look at tonight that God wants us to do that are repeated over and over again in the Bible are these two things, praise and trust, praise and trust. Now, let's think about this for a second. Let's just think about praise just for a second first. Let's just think about when you come into church. And this would be even for or maybe even especially for people who are on the worship team. Are you, am I, are we really praising God from the heart or are we just singing? Or maybe we're just mouthing the words or maybe we're just kind of standing there like this. Would you say that you reflect if you're a singer are you would you say that you reflect on the words that are coming out of your mouth is your heart really praising god or honestly will you admit this some of us is your praise your personal praise is it flat is it just seem to be going nowhere well, next, we're having a lot of fun right now, aren't we? <laughs> All right next, let's talk about trust. It's Sunday. You hear a sermon about trusting the Lord, and, and you're 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 moved, your affections towards God are, are growing, and, and you've determined that you're gonna change, and this week you're gonna trust the Lord. And the next thing you know, it's Monday morning. Would you say that your week is consumed? With trust or with worry? What seems to have a a bigger hold on you? A lot of times people tell me that they come to the Wednesday night service because they go, because I need something in the middle of the week because I'm already running out of gas. So would you say your week is consumed with trust or with worry? Because if it's consumed with worry, what is the effect that that has on praise? Basically, there's little to no praise at all. Now, there's 150 Psalms, and every emotion imaginable is explored in the Psalms, yet praise and trust is throughout the Psalms as an important part of dealing with all those various emotions. Now, Psalm 146 is one of the last five Psalms. It's all about praise, and it shows us how vitally important all the last five do, as do others earlier as well, and it shows us how vitally important praise is to a follower of Jesus. Now, the Psalms were songs that were sung by the people of God. We've said before, sometimes they called it the, simple, the second temple songbook, and they were, they were songs often of joyfully looking forward in faith. It was a forward-looking faith way of thinking and singing uh, for today, for the day they were living in and for all eternity. And so let's jump in, let's maybe even put ourselves in the second temple, not as nice as the first, with with people maybe we've come back from the exile or something like that, and we're we're gathered with the people of God or maybe it's a, a Sunday morning, we're gathered together at church and we read this Psalm 146 verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Now it says praise the Lord, that's a translation of the word hallelujah. Praise, hallelujah, God, hallelujah. And so the psalmist opens up with a call to praise the Lord. Now, in your Bibles, you'll notice that it, the Lord is all in capitals. Remember, that means that when that word Lord is all in capitals, that means Yahweh, the covenant name of God. And when we look at verse one, it looks like he's repeating himself. He says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. But he's not. The first praise the Lord is plural. This is a call to the congregation. It's a call for the people of God to be excited and full of joy in God. Can I say that again? We want to make sure we nail that one down. It is a call when he says praise the Lord, a plural call to the congregation, to the people of God, to be excited and full of joy about the God, about God, to worship the Lord publicly, What does it mean to praise? Interesting, it means a lot of different things in the Old Testament. It can mean to sing, to bless, to rejoice, to thank, to glorify, to admire, and to honor the Lord. And the word hallelujah, it's very interesting. There's secular songs that actually have the word in it. And it's a word that's thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in our culture. And it's such an important word. It's meant to call our attention to God. It's meant to call our attention to to praise and to worship him. It's meant as a reminder to the worship leader, to the worship team, and to the congregation that we are all to participate in the worship of God. But I'm afraid that, Today that's becoming and those of us who've been around for a while as followers of Jesus I'm afraid that's becoming less and less common as we go along much of the American church or much of the music in the American church and I don't want to be some grumpy old man but I'm sorry but a lot of the music and this has been going on for a while it's actually it's self-centered entertainment it's not necessarily really worshipful and what happens is because we are an entertainment-minded culture, we entertain ourselves to death. (laughs) You know, you look on your cell phone, you know, what to binge on Netflix, what to binge on, you know, Prime Video or something like that. And so Right now, we've sort of become, in our churches, a a group of people that are just watching people on a stage. We're being entertained by them. Uh, We're we're people who are showing off their talents to to lazy congregations. That's why we don't have fog machines and all the crazy light and stuff like that, because we really don't want to be that way especially when you come to the Psalms and you think of the way they were singing, the Psalms were so deep and and the singing of them was meant to engage the mind of the congregation, was meant to engage the mind of all of the people of God, not only just that, but just to teach us about God as we sing and you could say this, that failure to concentrate would actually be failure to worship. (laughs) Now, of course, today's day and age, we say failure to be in the room would be failure to worship because we tend to come late to church, something that I hope that once this virus stuff is over, people are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to be late anymore. I really appreciate what we had in worshiping the Lord. Now, the second half of verse one is singular. He says, Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. This is a personal determination to praise the Lord. This is something that each and every one of us needs to make. The only way worship works as a congregation is if we all kind of make a personal determination that we are going to praise the Lord individually so we then end up praising the Lord congregationally and corporately. So what do we have to do? One of the things I'll often tell people is, maybe for a bit, leave your problems to the side. Leave them in the car. Lay aside your difficulties and your fears and your pains right now, and the psalmist, join the psalmist in praising the Lord. Why? So we can come to a greater knowledge of God from God. The word of God and the psalmist praises the Lord in this way because he knows the Lord from the word of God. That's why I personally am not a fan of self-centered worship songs. I really don't want to come in and sing about me very much. I, you know, I just, it's not, maybe it's just not the way I roll or, or whatever, but I want to worship the Lord I love the songs that acknowledge the Lord as king and as, and as savior upon whom I am dependent. To put it to you this way, when I want to worship, I want to forget about me. Now, some of you are saying, I like to forget about you too, but but, but I want to, I want to worship the Lord and sort of just leave myself to the side for a bit knowing that when I worship the Lord, that he strengthens me. Now, this is especially important for any kind of a leader. It's important for all of us, but it's important for any kind of a leader. Let me give you an example from my own life. As a Bible teacher, how can I expect you to be excited about the word of God if I'm not? Well, let's open our Bibles. Of course, wow. what's, what's exciting about that? I got so many emails this past weekend. They were like, Pastor Jim, thank you for the passion. It's like nobody even really listened to what I was saying. They did, but, but just excited about, about me being passionate. So how can I expect you to be passionately excited about the word of God if I am not? I don't know much, but I know this. If I wait until I stand in front of you or in front of the camera, if I wait until I get up in the pulpit to get excited, it's way too late. I'm not going to pull it off. And the psalmist wants his soul, he wants everybody corporately, but takes ownership for himself, wants his soul to praise the Lord. Now, we say, what's the soul? Well, for the Bible writers, the soul was the whole person, it was the mind, it was the will, it was the emotions. And our excitement and joyful adoration of the Lord testifies to people. You know what a testimony is, somebody gets in courtroom, they give a testimony, they're telling the truth. It testifies that Jesus Christ is my savior and my trust is in him. I remember when, before I was a follower of Jesus, when I first came into a church, watching people sing, watching people worship, watching people actually worship in attentiveness of listening to the teaching of God's word had a deep, deep effect on me. So may we be like the great men and women of the word of God of old may we be like the great saints of old and be grieved at boring and lifeless worship and boring and lifeless prayer and boring and lifeless teaching of the word of god verse 2 he says while i live i will praise the lord i will sing praises to my god while i have my being And so here the psalmist uh, declares and encourages to us that we are to praise the Lord, if you will, all the day long. He says, while I have my being. We are to praise the Lord every day and forever. Some versions say, he says, while I have my being. Some versions say, as long as I live. Now, we've talked about this many times before. There's always lots of talk of revival, but I think a lot of times we talk about it and then we sort of kind of walk out and we're like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. We're not really so sure if we really believe that it's gonna happen. We're sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to do something, not realizing that we have a part to play in it as well. I will say this, when you participate in joyful praise, I think it will give you a hope of revival in the church. When you see God's people pouring their hearts out to him and desiring to live holy lives before him and to hear, you know, they open their Bibles because God is going to speak. It will really enlarge your heart. You know what? This revival thing is actually possible. More people can come to faith as God is enlarging our hearts so large that we will be overflowing with his grace and his love that we'll be able to share it with others. And so this is an exciting thing to think of. Let's think of it as this way. A new spirit of praise will be assigned to us in the church of the Lord's coming in power to save. And the Lord's coming in power to grow the kingdom of God. And notice, again, he, the, the psalmist knows that we are all participants. Look what he says again in verse two. He says, I will, not I might, not I'll try better, I will, that is a determination, I will praise the Lord. I'm going to lay my feelings aside, I'm, going to la- I'm not going to be like, well, I don't really like this song or something like that, I'm going to lay it all aside, and I'm going to say, I will sing praises to my God while I have my being or as long as I live. Now, I believe with all of my heart, this goes far beyond a church service, This is a lifestyle of praise that comes out of a constant awareness of God. You're constantly aware that he is with you. You're constantly aware that He is your creator. Because of Jesus, you are aware that your creator, the Creator God, is also your Savior King, and that when we come to turn to God and put our trust in Jesus, that He becomes our Heavenly Father. This also provides for us and uh, all of the earth, uh, all of which point to he is worthy of our praise. So as we praise, we will point others to the fact that he is worthy of our praise. So this is an important point to see. In trusting him, we praise him. Did you catch that? In trusting him, we praise him. That's why I said when we pay attention to God's word, we are trusting him, we are are praising him, we are worshiping him. So in trusting him, we praise him. However, if we are not trusting him, if we are not attentive to him, then we are not praising him and we are not worshiping him. Verse three and four, we get a warning. He says, do not put your trust in princes. We might say, don't Put your trust in the government. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man. Now you say, isn't that what Jesus called himself? We'll get to that in a second. Nor a son of man in whom there is no help. Another version says, don't put your trust in human beings who cannot save. Another version says, do not put your trust in uh, uh, princes in whom there is no salvation. Verse four, his spirit, the one, the prince, the the human, the government, the people you will put your trust in other than God, his spirit or his breath departs. He returns to his earth. He goes back into the ground, kind of reminds us of Adam, dust to dust. In that very day, his plans perish. So what is he saying that, that, The person you're trusting in eventually will die and what you were hoping for that they would help you with, if you will, their plans die with them. If we're going to put our full trust in the Lord, that means we can no longer keep our full trust in the kingdom of man. I'm not saying we never trust people, but ultimately our trust is in God and in the kingdom of God. Here's the reality. Even the richest and most powerful people in this world are here today and gone tomorrow. Their life is but a breath. You know, sometimes you ever get a magazine and maybe in the January edition, and it says, and I'll have a couple pages of people who famous, well-known people, rich people who died the year before. And you're thinking like, Wow, I, you know, I remember watching their movie or something like that, and they wow, they got older, or look how old they got, and 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 life is it's just essentially again, it's just a, a breath, and ultimately, no matter how rich they are, no matter how powerful they are, they can't save themselves, and if they can't save themselves, how are they going to save us? It's not possible. It's sim- the answer is it simply cannot happen. It's almost like the psalmist is also saying to us, how many bad leaders is the world going to have until we actually see it? How many bad leaders or leaders who just die are we going to put our trust in until we open up our eyes? It's like we're blind to it. We open up our eyes and see that the Lord is the only one who is worthy of our trust. You see, here's the deal. Even when you get a good leader, they eventually leave office. In Israel, they had good kings. Not perfect, but they had some good kings. But what happened a lot of times when the good kings died? Their good plans Their good intentions often died with them too. And a lot of times their bratty kids took over and things got very, very bad. And so here, by use of a negative example, the psalmist calls us to a God-centered life. Not a man-centered life, a God-centered life a life in which it revolves around God. We build our lives around the person of God and his word. Yet let's be honest. How prone are we to abandon God for people? Now, some of you are going, I don't do that. I don't do that. How many times have you blown off a commitment you had to God because of the pressure from friends or family? How many times have you just blown off worship, coming to gather with God's people, to hear God's word because you didn't want to go maybe a little late
0: to a family function? Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey changed by love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with christ no matter where you are in your journey teaming with changed by love financially makes it possible to reach thousands many more than you and i could reach on our own we are stronger together than we could ever be apart please consider a generous gift today Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kebney. Changedbyloveradio.org.